What is up, everyone? This is Lee McKinney. Welcome back to the Infinite Mind Podcast. This is episode three. I want to say off the top, I apologize for last week's video. Uh, there was multiple things that went wrong with it. And by the end, my camera actually died. So talk about a second podcast and, you know, learning by learning as you go. So sorry about that. We're good this week. I had it on a an autofocus mode and it was kind of pumping in and out the whole time trying to find focus. I thought that'd be better. I'm kind of a noob when it comes to this camera stuff, but in the end, it wasn't. It's quite easy to get this thing um, focused on its own. So it is October 2019. If you haven't seen this podcast before, this is basically my way to interact with all of you guys. I used to do streaming. I used to do a lot of different things, but um, it turned out that nowadays I don't game as much. I'm doing, I have a lot of my plate musically within Motive and Born of Osiris and my solo stuff. So when I do game, it's mostly, it's kind of my time to listen to music. I'm also married, and when my wife's home and I'm off tour, I, I want to give her my time. And so I'm not blasting metal. I'm not, you know, jamming any of that in her face. So, yeah, it's kind of my time to jam and, and play music. And, and so for that reason, I'm not doing the streaming thing anymore. But this is cool. We can interact. And as I said in the other ones, I hope that you guys follow me on socials, not just to for you to follow me, but also so you can get involved in this thing. So Ask me questions on my Instagram, which I'll get to some of those later. Ask me questions on my Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can ask me in the in the comments of, of this YouTube video. And there's many ways to get in touch with me via social media. For this podcast, I'm definitely uh, look, reading everyone's comments, and I'm trying to get involved with everyone. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about what I'm listening to. Um, as a matter of fact, some of the ones are the ones that you've recommended me to check out and review. We're going to go over metal news. I'm going to do Q&A, uh, stuff off my Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm just going to fill you in on what's going on. But yeah, so welcome back. Uh, we got the video up and running, and I am sorry about last week again. And I'm a bit sick. So if you hear me sniffling, I apologize. It's been cold. It's been rainy in Dallas for a couple of weeks now. I think we had a few nice days kind of sprinkled in between, but... They've been a bit more few and far between now. Um, after the podcast last week, I was actually kind of frustrated with all the video stuff. So I went to my wife's bar, got my drink on. I had a few too many whiskeys. I'm not in my low 20s anymore. So these hangovers are no joke. So I was pretty shot on Friday. I was bummed about the video. And overall, that's going to be my excuse. I'm a grown man. I shouldn't have any excuses. But that's what it is. How about that? Uh, yeah, it got me. But Saturday, we went babysitting. My wife and I, we babysit my nephews. And in hindsight, that's probably why I'm feeling a little under the weather today. I mean, for the last few days, really. My wife, Joe got sick as well. So she might have spread that to me. But we had a good time. Otherwise, um, we watched that movie Employee of the Month, which is super old. I think it's like 2005 or 2006. It's Dane Cook. And, I, and it's funny because I think, what the fuck happened to that guy? I haven't seen him anymore. But it's funny. It's like, Dane Cook is like this box boy for, it seems like a Kroger or, you know, some big grocery store, like a Costco. And uh, he's just kind of screwing around doing his thing. He's friends with everybody because he's really nice. He's funny. It fits his character in real life, uh, that, that role. And uh, basically, he's got, you got Dax Shepard. I'm sure you, if you know who I'm talking about. Um, he is the head cashier. And what I think is funny about this movie is that 
it's like a big deal to be the head cashier. And in reality, like who the fuck cares about in that scene, like who's rising up and not. And the funniest part is it's funny off the bat like that. But then uh, Jessica Simpson comes in and she's looking perfect, of course, uh, for the sake of this role. And obviously a lovely woman. And so immediately they're they're getting real competitive. They all want to, you know, get with her. And rumor has it that at her last job, she slept with the employee of the month. So all of a sudden you got Dax Shepard who's trying to, you know, he's always the employee of the month anyways. So he's trying to keep that up. Meanwhile, now you got Dane Cook who never does anything right. He's always late to work. He's just always drinking beer and playing poker uh, on the job. Now all of a sudden he cares. So, you know, they're, they're going for... Uh, they're fighting for her to be the employee of the month so they can get with Jessica Simpson. It's pretty funny. It's like dumb humor, but I think that that shit's kind of funny sometimes. And I don't think that I don't need my humor to be intellectual. So that was pretty damn good. Sunday, I watched the Chicago Bears. Let me just say it's a fucking mess. Not going to lie. Um, everyone talks about uh, Khalil Mack and he's completely dominant and he can win a game alone, but I think the hero of it all is Akeem Hicks. He's on the defense, and, and he's not there anymore for, for now. He's injured, whatever. I'm not totally sure. And, like, so everyone's – the defense is, like, Chicago's thing. And right now it's not feeling like it. They're still holding people to good points or low points. Um, and then you got your this quarterback that Chicago drafted a few years ago, Mitch Trubisky, is young, but he's still, like, overthrowing all of the receivers, and they're trying to say that, it's because he's young or it's because he's learning the scheme of the coach. It's also a few years uh, old, so somewhat new. But at this point, third year, there's no excuses. Uh, you know, the play calling from the coach is ridiculous, too, for this because the week before he had a shoulder injury, then he comes back and they make him throw like 60 times and they run the ball, which is Chicago style. Walter Payton run the fucking ball. He, run, he ran like less than 10 times. A rookie running back who's a badass. He's a stud. Uh so that sucks, but I've been watching the Bears my whole life, and I'm not a huge sports guy, and don't worry, I'm not going to go off on a sports tangent on this podcast, but it's just like, all I want is one Chicago Bears Super Bowl win in my lifetime. That would uh, that would just make me really happy, but it's not looking good, and I, and I feel like if they don't get the shit together on the offense now, because the defense is a 100% Super Bowl caliber, and any given day can beat anyone, that team, because of how good the defense is. When, when everyone's there, but uh, yeah, I just feel like if the if the defense or if the offense doesn't get going, then it's gonna a couple years are gonna go by, and the defense are gonna they're one by one the players are gonna be traded to other teams. It's gonna be it's gonna be a bigger mess than it is now. And then you got this you're gonna have this massive rebuild going, similar to what it's been my entire life. Um, so it's annoying, but that's football, and that's probably not why you're here, anyways. On Sunday, while I was watching that football game, I, I switched string gauges on my guitar, and that's uh, that is a big deal because it's in my for Born of Osiris and all of our history, we've done six and seven string, and we've tuned down to drop C for six, which is a full step on most of the strings, and then uh, drop G on seven, which is the same. So you're tuning these strings down quite a bit, and everyone always asks me why I didn't use a thicker I've been using 10 10 to 46 for 6 and 10 to 56 for 7 and everyone always asked why I did that and I did like the slap on the string on the fretboard like that relationship I really enjoyed that and it was even when I was designing my illusionist 
bridge pickup on my new signature model. That was a big part of it too. I wanted to hear everything. And, um, yeah, but I just found in the end that like when I would, so when I do anything standard tune, whether it's for Born of Osiris or my solo shitter in motive, when you're not taking that tension off the strings, it's just, it's just better. It's a thicker recording. It's stronger. It stays in tune better. And I have been doing it with bass for a while. I refuse to tune down a bass because I don't want to lose any tension at all. And um, it started on my solo record, Infinite Mind. So no matter if it was... A, so on my Infinite Mind record, you have six, seven, eight string guitars, all tuned differently. But every bass part on the record is all standard tuned five-string bass. And I just trans—I just transposed whatever notes needed to be to fit the song, which actually... And sometimes it was cool because if I'm doing eight-string drop E... It was actually nice that the the bass kind of filled in a register a little bit above the eight string guitar, which was a very interesting relationship. You can hear that in songs like, or actually in Born of Osiris Simulation on uh, Silence the Echo. It's funny when I talk song titles on records that are out, I I almost think about the pre pro titles because you get so used to the pre pro title as you're in the studio and you're, and that when it gets time to, when the album comes out, you almost do the song titles last minute, or at least we have so far, and so I forget what half our songs are called. But oh well, that's happened. Uh, so yeah, I switched the strings. Um, so basically, for any guitar that I'm drop tuning heavily, not not if I'm just drop tuning the thickest string, any guitar that I'm dropping the whole thing down, I'm going to be on 11s now. And uh, I'm liking it. So far, so good. I, I started a, a new song with it pretty immediately it's almost I think it's inspiring when you make those kinds of changes to kind of see how it's going to respond in the studio and so immediately I did that and it went well so I'm excited um so that was that was my Sunday Monday went oh Monday went to a date to remember which was fun my wife loves them so our first one of our first sound guys in Born of Osiris was his name's Nate we brought him on his first tour out of St. Louis and since this is a long time ago, and since then, like he's a stud. He's he's so good at what he does. He's just been on the rise and on the rise. And obviously, Data Remember is an extremely successful band. When you're more successful, you pay better. It's just a, a wicked cycle, and things happen. And there's a lot of great songwriters that Born of Osiris has had that have ended up doing some amazing things. And then you know, if we if we can't win the battle of how much we're going to pay these people, then ultimately we we lose them. And this it's not a negative thing when I say this like I like to be friends with my crew and so if if I have a sound guy and he gets an offer from another band that's gonna he, his life is gonna be better because he's gonna make more money then I'm not gonna be an ass and say stick around with me and, and be selfish like that so in these situations this is all good there's no hard feelings for any of this so anyways he was he's doing their sound I didn't remember so he got me my wife and our friend Dalton into the show and um and our friend Griff and so it was really fun we had a blast the data member actually sounds incredible um I don't sorry I don't shouldn't say actually they sounded incredible which is not a surprise because of my sound guy um not anymore their sound guy Nate um but yeah I enjoyed them I don't really know all of their discography you know I hear them from time to time in, in the car or I think they're bigger songs I probably know I've heard for sure. But that was a uh, was a fun experience. I had a good time with that. Um and yeah, they sounded incredible. They know how to put on a show. Their their production was amazing. 
they they came out and it was just like some light, some low lighting and then as the show went on other things would be added to the production then uh, a banner would drop and then it's a screen and it's LEDs and smoke shooting everywhere it was a damn good show and I had a good time I think we all did and uh, yeah that was in Dallas so that was a that was a good old time um, in music news for me I've been uh, doing basically everything as usual but actually today I finished up my solo for Jared Dines. So I mentioned on the podcast, the first two podcasts that he's doing a record and I'm doing a, a solo on his record. And I'm really excited about it. It turned out pretty wacky and I assuming he's going to make me do a video playing it, <laughs> which is going to be fun. I feel like I wrote it over two weeks. So I almost don't even remember the beginning of it, but yeah, it'll be fun. I'll probably do a video. I'll probably have to, that's his style. He's a, he's a content master. And so I'll do that. And that'll be good. The solo's great. I'm really, really pumped about it. It's funny. I do these, I do guest solos a lot for other bands. And like I've said before, it's I think it's the coolest way to connect with people. So it's not just a cash grab for me or anything. And so I, I, I love that aspect of it. But what I find is that when I put my all into a solo and then I send it off to somebody else, I'm like, I always wish it was on my record. But it, it's not like that. It can't be like that because... I mean, simply, I didn't write the rhythm. I didn't write what I'm soloing over. So it's not it's not a reality, but it's good that I'm I'm proud of the solo work, whether it's mine or not. I don't uh, take priority, and I don't treat certain projects, you know, more important than others. That was fun. I finished a new song for American Satan, Paradise City, which is Ash's TV show movie. It's about a rock band. They sell their soul to the devil, but you know, in the show, they play shows they're writing songs they're it's a real band and we did a soundtrack we did two soundtracks i'll link that in the description of this video um yes but but that's ongoing because they're doing a show now and so i'm i'm still writing finished my second song out of four that i'm committed to right now and i like it the last one was a bit slower and heavier four on the floor this one's kind of more upbeat a little more double kick going on a little maybe a little more modernish feeling metalcore-ish but it's fun. I, I I have all these different musical outlets in my life because I'm not I don't like one kind of music. I like all kinds of music and I think there's a time and a place for just about every kind of music and all genres of music. So it's nice to have all these different outlets to express myself and when I'm inspired by a certain thing, I have an outlet to write and release it. And um so also, I believe you'll be seeing within a week maybe um tune track who they make superior drummer i've had a relationship with them forever actually it's it's kind of interesting when i was i was robbed back in the day at a venue called emerson theater not me personally but they broke into our van when born of osiris was on stage sound checking and they stole my laptop we all born of osiris all lived in a house this time at this point in time so i had all of our rent money in my laptop case and they, that, so the laptop was gone. All that money was gone. Within three minutes of us walking in the door, getting handed guitars, playing a song, walking out, all that shit was gone. It was a bummer. So anyways, back then, I went and got a job at Guitar Center just for a month. And I was literally just going to work there till I saved up enough money for a laptop. And then I was gone. Funny enough, when I got there, my uh, my general manager at the time, Bill, I come in, he goes, you're in Born of Osiris. And I said, yes. And he goes, I just took over artist, uh, 
artist rep for Toontrack. And like I could, it'd be great if you could give me some context. You know, I introduced him to Faceless and, you know, this is back in the periphery days when this was like a new thing and I'm able to be kind of my foot in the door introducing everybody in the to, to Bill here. So we actually quit, I want to say, on the same day or something funny like that. It was good. So now Toontrack does this thing. I think it's called Metal November, Metal October. I'm not quite sure, but basically they asked me to write a song for them. And it was fun. So I filmed a video for that. I wrote the whole song, every instrument. It was really fun. I it was it's kind of it pushes you because I don't know who even played the drums on the track, but it pushed me to like kind of write to the drum track, which is fun because back in the day songs like The New Rain off of our first album The New Rain were created that way. A drum track, that song is almost a drum solo with guitar connected to it, written uh wrote like created to the drum track itself. So that was fun. It kind of felt like a throwback in that aspect. And yeah, I had a good time with it. And so that's done. The Jared Dine solo is done. So I'm looking for new projects at my studio. You can visit it on Instagram, Osiris Studios, and then the underscore. And you can also write me at OsirisStudios at Yahoo.com. And uh, yeah, that's I've been doing studio work for so long. I still got that Yahoo email. It's, it's almost embarrassing to have that, is it? At least I feel like it. Cool. So let's get into what I am listening to. This week I listened to many things you guys recommended, but a couple of things I feel like are a little more relevant to what's going on in my current events. So the first one I jammed in the gym the other day was Chelsea Grin, The Eternal Nightmare. That was released in 2018. So last year it has 11 tracks. It's 28 minutes long, but it's packed full of good riffs and good times. Um, they're extremely heavy songs. The production is extremely heavy to match it. I'm, I thought in, this, uh, in the gym uh, that the kick drum was pretty damn loud in the in the recording. And I got to admit, I love that kind of shit. I'm always the guy that's like, turn the turn the kick drum up because it just, I don't know. I love it about recordings. And their kick drum sound on the record is really sick. I don't The way it's EQ'd, the, the sound of it, what they got out of it, the drum or the sample they used. I'm not quite sure how they did their stuff, but it sounds great. And when they blast it, it just fits the style of music, which is ultimately just really heavy. So I had a good time listening to that. It's a good gym listen. Uh, my favorite track was Across the Earth. That was a standout immediately for me. I think it was maybe the third or fourth track. And it was a good time. Um, I thought that the vocal patterns are really heavy and memorable. And I, it's just, uh, it's, it, it's good too, because they're amazing guys. So last year we spent the second simulation American tour with them. They were our direct support. And then after I went, did my solo stuff with animals as leaders in Europe, they went and, uh, joined us in Australia and we did the, uh, the eternal rain, sorry, <laughs> the simulation, um, Australian tour. And that was a good time as well. Uh, they're just the best dudes. They're not they're not the crazy party animals. They're just very chill people. They're very smart. They're great to talk to. And and some of just the, the great friends we've made across um across the world touring with everybody. So I, I I had a lot of time spending a good portion of the second half of last year with them and I hope we get to do some some stuff like that again. Another one, so I like to give you an oddball one every week. Not oddball, but just maybe something you wouldn't expect. This next one is going to be called Glory Sound Prep. This is by John Bellion. So this was released also last year in 2018. This is 10 tracks, 43 minutes. And what I like about this artist is he's not like bound by genres. He does anything he wants. 
And it's so fun because he's, he's not afraid to take risks. And I felt like the older stuff by him, I liked his more radio friendly, maybe simplified stuff, kind of his radio bangers are in a way. But on this one, I felt like he got a little more experimental, which is fun because like I said, he doesn't care about probably what record executives are pushing him to do on the radio. He does his own thing. And I almost thought that his his rapping was a highlight on this one. Uh, there's nothing um, gangster about this style of stuff. He, some of his lines and rhythm, his, his rhymes and stuff would put a smile on your face. They were deep. They remind you of Tupac and Biggie and they're very intellectual. And some of the things he said, I, I was like, oh, that's that just hits me. And I just thought they were really clever. He's got a great voice for hip hop and, and rapping and stuff. But he's also got a great singing voice. I'm, if you haven't heard him, you should check him out. If you have heard him, you do know he's got a great voice. And uh, one of the things that I really love about this artist is his YouTube presence. So he didn't start on YouTube. YouTube isn't making his career. Um, it's not like pushing his career to the next level. But what I thought was really incredible about it was that he like all of his popular songs he has a youtube video about how he made it so basically he documents the writing process of just about all of his songs it, it seems but he posts the popular ones but it's really cool because you'll see the woman he, that's guest starring on this track come in and you'll see them talk about like this is what i want out of the song this is what i think would be cool to do you see maybe sometimes the not so good takes you see some of the great takes you see how this guy really collabs with everyone He's got his favorite bass player that he calls in in New York when he's when he's tracking, and he's he just he's not a uh, control freak. I mean, when people come, he tells them what he wants out of it. Excuse me, but there's nothing, there's nothing. He's not a monster about it, and you just see how he really has an ear for taking the people and putting them in the right place and getting the right performance out of each one of them, just making really creative. Um, music and I, and I love it and so if you haven't checked out John Bellion you should check him out check out all of his music really it's really fun it's not heavy you're not getting any metal or progressive stuff out of this but check it out and also check out his YouTube if any of the songs you like um, you want to see how he made them they're on his YouTube and it's really cool it's it's inspiring it makes me want to do some of that kind of thing we'll see how it goes I again I'm not the best with content this podcast is a way for me to get better at it just one step in the right direction so was doing the tune track thing that I talked about earlier I had to film a playthrough that song, and in the process of that, I just got a little bit better at editing video, and so that makes me more confident to do it with more Born of Osiris stuff and, and more of my solo stuff. So on that note, I would like to take this chance to ask you guys, what playthroughs would you like me to do from Born of Osiris, the last 12 years of our career, from my solo album, In Motive, anything? What do you want videos of? What would you like lessons of? What would you like playthroughs of? What would you like? Um, again, I think that... Just because we're doing this on podcast, this could lead to other videos on the same channel. And uh, this is not all I'm going to be doing podcasts. I'm just trying to give more um, to you guys as far as content. So ask me, let me know what you want to see. I'll get them going. We'll build this channel together and it'll be, you know, also at, at your hands. So hell yeah. Appreciate you guys. And uh, so make sure you like and subscribe to this, this page and this YouTube. And if you are listening on Spotify or Spotify or Apple Music. Sorry, I can't talk. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music, head over to the YouTube. I'm sure we all have one. And uh, leave a comment. Tell me what you want to see. We'll get it going. So I have an announcement. I kind of teased, I kind of teased this and told you that I was going to be doing this, but the time is now. Born of Osiris is touring in December. We're going on tour with Oceano and Carbomb. We're going to bring another band but we have not found that band quite yet. So 
Maybe if you have any ideas, again, put them in the comments. Hit me up on social media, at Leo Cyrus. Um, but I, I'm just really excited about this lineup. We have so much history with Oceano. As a matter of fact, I just saw a video of our first Born of Osiris show back in 2015 or something. We were called Rosecrans, which is a song on the first record. Uh, Adam, the singer of Oceano, was at our very first show. So I think that's really cool. And to see, like I mentioned last week, the history with us and After the Burial and Vela Maya. And Oceano all coming full circle to us being on Sumerian Records and getting to tour together. It's a cool thing. And then Car Bomb, uh, I toured with on my solo stuff with Animals as Leaders. So Animals headline, Car Bomb was direct support. And it was my first tour in Europe opening, playing my solo material. They're some of the coolest guys ever. Seriously so nice. Really some of the nicest guys I've ever met on tour. And that's, and that's not just something to say. And I've toured for many, many years. And, and so I mean that. Uh, but they just put out this record called Mordial. I'm going to do a kind of a review of it on the next podcast for the what I'm listening to section. It's so good. It's it's heavy. It's so creative. It's like the Meshuggah, but more tech. It's I talked to them. They said they're not using a click. It's so cool. And to play so tight, not on a click or a grid on album and live, I think it's such a cool thing. Uh, Nolly mixed it, and his mixes are obviously insane. So I'm definitely excited to let you know about that next week and give you more of a rundown of it. But yeah, check that out in the meantime. You don't need me to do the review of it before you hear it. If you've heard it, you know the deal. If you haven't, check it out and uh, you'll definitely enjoy it. So that'll be it for this week. But um, tell me for as far as um, this announcement goes, but we're going we're gonna to play all the simulation. We're going to play as much, as, it is, much of it as we can. We're going to have some production out with us. We got a great lineup. So that's that. It's going to be amazing. And uh, yeah, feel free to comment bands that you want us to reach out to. Um, so as far as tour dates go, I'll give you a rundown of that tour. Uh, the Simulation 3 tour, we're going to start out December 3rd in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Diamond Pub Concert Hall. On December 4th, we're going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina at Blind Tiger. On the 5th, we're going to be in Virginia Beach at Elevation 27. On the 6th, we're going to be in Easton, Pennsylvania at 1 Center Square. On the 8th, we're going to be in Hartford, Connecticut at Webster Underground. On the 9th, we're going to Canada. We're going to be in Quebec City at Le De Atul. I don't know about that one. We'll be there, but I don't know how to say the name of it. Uh, on the 10th, the next day, we'll be in Ottawa, Ontario at Brass Monkey. On the 11th, we'll be at London, Ontario at a place called Rum Runners. That sounds dangerous. Um, on the 14th, we're going to be back in the States for two more at uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan at Stash. And then on the 15th, we're going to go where we grew up, Palatine, Illinois, and we're going to play a Christmas show at Dirty Nelly's. Been drunk there many a times when I didn't have an ID and I was under 21. It's kind of funny. All these years later, going back, playing a hometown show. So those are the dates. Make sure you check them out. Uh, boo, B-O-O dot soundrink.com you can get tickets there we're also going to do a meet and greet um so i'm not quite sure what all that includes we put something together i don't know off the top of my head it's going to be you know maybe watch us sound check pictures you can hang out ask us questions oh my gosh no we're doing a wheel a spinning wheel you spin the wheel and it may land on thumb war with ronnie it could land on anything <laughs> that's what we're doing so yeah it is going to be ridiculous but if you want to hang out and have a little fun with us Get the meet and greet if you just want to see the show. Tickets are all at the same link. Boo.soundrink. S-O-U-N-D-R-I-N-K dot com.
Um, so as far as my solo music, I wrote a new song this week. So that's nine. I have nine tracks for the new record right now. I just did rhythms, actually. So I, um, I kind of know where I'm going with the, the lead part. I have the chorus lead. I need to write the solo for like the verses, maybe one or two. I, I, I'm not sure full structure, but rhythms are done. And we'll see you know, what the structure of the song is once I get lead work on there. That's what I have left to do. So I'm excited because I, the new string gauge is on. I, I use on the rhythms. And so it sounds really thick and it sounds full. So I'm excited to see more lead work with the with the higher string gauge, and that's really going to be exciting for me. Um, as far as Boo, Born of Osiris news, January is the time we're going to be really wrapping things up in the studio for this new new album. Um, I think in November the guys are going to get together. We're gonna uh, they're going to tie up some loose ends, ideas. Right now we're kind of just still. Uh, I mean, we had a whole second half of Simulation Two, so that was eight tracks, and we wrote many more songs on our own and sent them back and forth over the internet where we all work together now. And, uh, it's just, it's been really rewarding and fulfilling. And so I just can't wait to get together, finish this thing up at the the start of the year, get this record out. As I mentioned, we have more songs than we've ever had before for a record. We're more prepared than we've ever been. We're actually going to be taking the best of the best that we have instead of recording everything we have and hoping it's a full length. And like we have sometimes in the past. So this is going to be the most well-rounded, well thought out, most organized boo that you will have had so far. I do want to say, I mentioned last week we had Halloween merch. I mentioned it was low stock last week. If there's anything left, it's not much. So you do want to go check that out. Um, It's There's not much left. I'll put a a link below YouTube, but that's on our merch now store. They're really cool designs. There's a hoodie, there's a long sleeve, there's there's plenty of stuff, but it's literally just about gone. So if you saw something you liked or if you haven't seen it yet and you want to check it out before that's literally gone, head over there. The website is below. Um, it's below in this bio. As far as in motive, I had mentioned to you guys that we had uh, two new songs on the back burner recorded, ready to release after our new one, Subtle Mistake, came out. I had mentioned that we were going to redo some vocals. In the past week, Dave got to do one more song. And if for, again, just to recap people who don't know, this is Dave Escamilla, our new singer from Crown the Empire back then. He is now with us, and uh, we put our song out, Subtle Mistakes, and it uh, went over really well, and we're excited about that. There's a music video for that. You can check that out on the Sumerian Records YouTube. But the new songs, he's got, we just felt we wanted to try some more grit on his voice instead of some of the more pristine singing he was doing on the new stuff. Excuse me. So he's did that. And uh, we have one more track. So uh, the label is going to give us feedback. And then we're going to head out and retrack it in Arizona with Curtis, uh, our buddy Curtis, who has been doing it so far. He's a really amazing producer. And uh, I'm excited about that. So we're going to continue to work on the second song vocals. And uh, so maybe when when the first one's approved, we can have the second one ready, get that quickly approved, record those maybe the same weekend or week, however long it takes him to do um, two songs. And then we'll get those out to you. And I can't wait. I, I don't want to have it be another uh, long time before we get more music to you. I know in the past it's been that way with Motive, but that's not the goal anymore, especially with our new singer who's just dedicated to this fully. And uh, yeah, I'm really pumped. Uh, remember I mentioned American Satan. That's the movie TV show. I finished a new song for that. Um, and I'm just really pumped on that. It's uh, I sent it today. Hopefully Ash will... Enjoy it. Ash owns Sumerian Records and Sumerian Films, and he's the one that's been kind enough to bring me in on this project. And so I'm really excited about that. 
again, it's an, it's a way for me to get some more like arena rock vibes out. And it's something I enjoy writing and, and I'm really excited about it. And so hopefully you'll be able to hear that soon. I don't think it's going to be this year. We're at the end of the year already. So I'd imagine it'll be next year when you when you hear all this stuff. Alrighty, let's take some fan questions. These ones are from my Instagram. Um, at S-V-E-T-L-I-N-S-O-F-I-E-V. Svetlins of Eve. I don't know. Uh, wants to know, what does, where'd you get the name A Clock Without a Craftsman? So that was from the movie. <laughs> What's the movie called? I think I have a comic of it. Dr. Manhattan, isn't it? Oh, gosh. I don't know. All right, scrap that question. All right, let's get to some fan questions. This is all off of my Instagram today. Next time, they could be Twitter. They could be uh, YouTube comments. They could be wherever. But let's get going for it. Process for writing solo material. Where do you start? This is asked on Instagram by at Zagaroth.db. I mentioned this a bit in the past, on I think on the first podcast, but that's all good. The process for me in that is that I usually start with a progression. Sometimes my wife could be walking around or blasting music on the TV or on our vinyl, and it could be any genre of music. It could be pop music. It could be anything. And what it is is I just get... Maybe something in my heart feels good about a chord progression or, or something that just rubbed me the right way. And, and so that chord progression, I could go on my piano and, and play and, and say, oh, this is pretty. And then maybe change it and maybe it inspires an idea. Or sometimes I'm just literally playing guitar if she's doing her makeup and playing music on the TV. And and so I'll just write some licks to it. And, and so when I write something, I'll either transpose it up or down or put it where I want it to be. But little things like that, that's what's fun about that. Whereas in metal, I kind of start with a metal beat and like freestyle metal riffs over it and kind of start in the metal realm when I'm doing the metal. Um, this, this kind of process is a little more relaxed and it does cause it doesn't need to be heavy. The solo album is not, my solo material is not heavy. Uh, uh, I mean, it's heavy at times, but it's not a project that I want to be full on heavy. I like to think that playing guitar and this kind of thing is a, a timeless kind of music to where when I'm 50 years old, I'll be playing this stuff still. So if I was making straight heavy metal guitar records, I think that I don't want it to be something that I get phased out of or don't want to do later in life. So I'm kind of just keeping it guitar rock. Um, I'm not really putting a a boundary on it. I'm not putting it in a box. I'm not doing anything like that. But for the most part, I'm trying to make sure that it's not overly heavy. And also, if I make something that is real heavy, I kind of like to um, just make it Born of Osiris. That just seems to make more sense for me. Again, I have outlets for every style of thing, so there's no reason for me to get them confused. All right, let's take another one. <laughs> At Brosif underscore 1999 wants to know what hair product do you use to get your hair styled right? I'll let you know. It's a product called Layrite. It's got a black label. It's more of a clay pomade, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, my hair is kind of curly at times, so I do need a bit heavier of a product to keep it back. So that's what it is. The secret's out. Lay right. You can get it at most places. I get it on Amazon. I feel like a lot of things are cheaper on Amazon, but there's a barbershop that's pretty popular, uh, Floyd's. Sometimes I'll go visit them on tour just because they're kind of everywhere. They have it. So you'll find it. Not not at your great clips or anything like that. Probably at least a medium tier 
hair salon or or on Amazon is the way to go. Um, at Sean Anti at S E A N A N T I wants to know what my rig looks like live. Uh, so live, it's an XFX three, and I'm going straight into ears. Uh, back in the day, we had a particular sound guy who didn't want a lot of stage volume out of cabs because he just wanted a quiet stage so he could just get the most crystal clear uh, sound out of each instrument. And so I've kind of stuck by that ever since. I think maybe if we were to do some smaller venues or maybe for my solo stuff, I'll bring a cab because, you know, sometimes in the smaller rooms, the PA isn't even enough to do much. And and so I don't trust all that. And then there's sometimes where the kids are kids where people attending the show are up against the stage and then the PA is kind of up and behind. And so for that reason, I think I'll bring a cab. But yeah, Born of Osiris, for the most part, pretty much plays venues where you might not even hear the cab on stage. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically my rig wireless, um, using the, so I'm using a line. No, I'm using sure wireless again. Uh, I switched to line six for a while cause it was digital. And sometimes I would get weird interference with some old Sennheiser stuff, but now we got the new Sennheiser stuff and that is not getting any interference. Things like being by like an FBI building in Dallas. I think it is being by an airport. There's different things that really will mess up your your frequencies. So if you're going to go Sennheiser, you're going to want the new one. The government bought up frequencies on a lot of the old ones. So get the new ones or use the line six digitals. Those are great too. But yeah, I'm Sennheiser wireless. I am XFX three. I use in-ears made by JH audio, which is a great company. They have great product support. So anytime you break a cable, anytime anything goes wrong, they'll, they'll gladly take your, you know, your broken piece and they'll fix it and get it back. Uh, in a timely matter, we've had we've had them break on tour with two weeks left, and we've got them back before the end of the tour. So that's nice. I really, I really recommend that uh, that company. I think it's uh, that's great. And let me see what else. Of course, my signature Kiesel guitars. I use my six and seven uh, LM six X Kiesel and LM seven X Kiesel. And for eight, we don't make my signature quite yet. So I use a Zeus, and it's badass. I have had one, and I've taken it all over the world, and it's it's held up just great. And same with my LMX model guitars. I think you can kind of see one in this shot. But yeah, that's it. That's what I use, and it's simple, and I like it to be simple. Uh, pedal board seems fun to me. It's something that I I have a little bit of one in my studio here. And it's something that I enjoy. I enjoy looking at pedals, boutique pedals and things like that. But the problem with when you get into a pedal board like that is that you're working with if something goes wrong or you have a weak signal or some issue going on, I, I really don't in the middle of a show have time or my guitar tech doesn't have time to go through 30 patch cables and all this stuff. And so I like to think the more simple, the better. And also that me, it gives me the same uh, sound and, and effects when I'm anywhere in the world whether I can only bring an XFX in a backpack to Russia or Australia, I'm going to have the same tones every night that you hear on the record and in the States in Australia, I'm going to have it all the same. And that's really comforting for me as a musician. So I like to keep it that way. All right, we'll do one more question. At U-R-I-E-L wants to know, what is your favorite guitar tuning to play in? I would say for the sake of history, it's been drop C. I think back when, when I was learning System of a Down, when I loved them back in the day, that's what uh, that's what they were playing on. I, that's probably one of the only records like Toxicity. I think I learned it beginning to end 
kind of silly, but that was that. I loved it. And um, Born of Osiris started in drop C six string. So I would say overall, that's been my favorite tuning. Uh, we moved to seven strings and we did drop G, but we've never gone fully on, on one thing. So when we moved to drop G, it was maybe on the discovery, I want to say. That might have been the first record we did that. But that was, um, again, it was just a few songs. And nowadays when we have the eight string, we so we do, which is drop E. So we do eight string drop E, seven string drop G, six string drop C. And so on the eight string now, since we were talking about string gauges earlier, I can say that I'm using standard tens. The seven string, now I'm going to be using the elevens because I just didn't think I was getting enough tension out of tens for drop G. And on six string drop C, I'll also be using the elevens. So yeah. Uh, feel free to ask me more questions on Instagram. I, I think what's it? Usually Wednesday, I'll post and say, "What questions do you have for me?" It organizes it for me in a nice, simple manner to where all the questions are kind of in a square format that I can easily read them to you here, and I enjoy that. So yeah, also YouTube, uh, uh, Twitter, many ways to ask questions, get involved, and I encourage it. And I want to answer your questions instead of just talk about things that uh, you might not want to hear about. So what will I know if I don't ask? Let's get into some metal news. Uh, again, if there's any stories in metal news that you want me to cover, feel free to let me know. This is something that when I go through the websites, PRP or Lamb Goat or Metal Injection, Alternative Press, I kind of pick the ones that stick out to me. And so, again, I want to know what you want to hear about. One thing I'm not going to be doing is picking sides in drama, any, you know, things like that. I'm, I'm not interested in doing that. So let me know what you want me to talk about. Again, if it's a positive, constructive opinion, I'll give it, but I'm not going to do any high school drama shit anymore. I've done that fair share of that in my young age, and I'm not interested anymore. So this week, both clips are going to be from PRP.com. Uh, I, I tell you what, props to PRP.com this week, because I went on a couple other websites and found nothing. Um, PRP had tons of stuff for every day, and so they uh, they take the cake this week. This first story is about Ali Herbert from All the Remains, guitar player, unfortunately passed away. I had the pleasure of knowing him and touring with him. Amazing guitar player, amazing guy, quiet, peaceful, just loved, he loved music. You could tell when he's on stage, he just, he got such a rush from it. And it's so sad to see him gone. So he's wrote some, you know, really incredible guitar solos and made some really amazing music in his time. So this is really sad. Anyways, he passed away. It's uh, Ali Herbert's widow is involved in a financial dispute with all that remains over alleged unpaid profits. It's been just over a year since the mysterious death of all that remains guitarist Ali Herbert, who was found drowned in a pond a mere few inches deep on the property of his Stafford Springs, Connecticut home in October of 2018. State police continued to investigate his death as suspicious and initially went on to seize the computer and phone records of his widow, Elizabeth Herbert, as part of their ongoing investigation. Much of the public suspicion has been cast upon Ali's wife in the wake of his death due to some highly unusual circumstances. A report filed in early 2019 revealed that Ali had signed a will that left Elizabeth as his sole executor benefactor a week prior to his death. That's a little crazy. And I think that, you know, I understand that that's very valid information in this in this story. But I'm just saying, if if you're going to plot this 
and you're going to you're going to go through this a week after getting this uh his will i just it's a little silly to me uh she might not be the sharpest tool in the shed if it is her and if it isn't and we again we shouldn't accuse until proven guilty uh but i mean it's a mess it's a mess either way but uh, that will locked out his sister cynthia from receiving anything from his estate it was it was signed under bizarre circumstances it doesn't say what those are here but the, like i said the whole thing's a mess a very sad mess Notably, it also made mention of a life insurance policy, the value of which was undisclosed. Elizabeth also made some oddly worded comments online in the wake of Ali's passing, which went on to raise more suspicion. Around the same time, a Facebook group called Justice for Ali was launched with a collective of fans conducting independent fact-finding and activism regarding his death. The suspicion cast against Elizabeth in the weeks after her husband's death led to people trespassing on her property actions which she justifiably condemned and yeah that's ridiculous i understand if you think this is her and you and you want to do what you can for to have justice for ollie but he can't trespass here okay uh she canceled a planned public memorial for herbert out of concerns for her safety she lashed out against her dissenters online around the time of that cancellation in the days after his passing elizabeth claimed that ollie had been self-medicating for manic depression and had traces of antidepressants and a sleeping aid in his system, as per a toxicology report. Interesting circumstances continued to emerge after his death, as a few months after Ali's passing, it was revealed that the couple's house was in foreclosure at the time of his death. That complaint was eventually dismissed earlier this year, with Elizabeth remaining a resident of the household. In this radio interview conducted in February, All That Remains frontman Phil referred to Elizabeth as a garbage human being, stating that he never knew Ali to indulge in any hard drugs. He also went on to say that Elizabeth was not allowed to be around the band, went on tour due to apparent personal conflicts between her and members of the band. That's a hot mess right there. And I, and I can say from you know, experience in the past that when, you start, when it starts getting messy with a, a man and his, his girl or significant other, let's just say anyone and their significant other, it's a it's a tough it's a tough time because you're you're thinking about this is a band those are your probably your best friends and that's your your significant other which is also the person you might live with in this case you for sure live with you have marriage with you you're living in a house with you obviously have a lot of ties to it's got to be hard to balance all this so this is a tough situation um even you know before all this went down um so in a new report filed by the Hartford Courant this week, it's now been revealed that she is currently involved in legal action against All That Remains over allegedly unpaid debts. Ali was a member of All That Remains, Inc., which is the partnership behind the band that handles their business interests. With her taking on Ali's interests, as per the above-mentioned will, she claims to be entitled to a cut of the profits. So that's another wild situation. So she's definitely entitled to a cut of his profits, when he's when he's not touring with the band anymore, but the band is still on tour and he was an owner of the company, how does that work? Does she is she entitled to money? This is just it's such a mess. And the sad part is, is this is in the the time of a tragedy in the metal world, in the metal community, for all that remains is the guys. It's gotta be so hard to hit the stage every night and not have the person that you really grew up and created your your band with. Um this new report reveals that she has filed a three-page letter in probate court alleging that she has owed profits for tours and shows that have been played since his passing. So that's what I think is interesting here. She claims that her husband's estate was not sent the proper financial records nor any potential profits from these activities. She also went on to seek reimbursement for almost seven grand in regards to a cremation bill 
and private memorial held for her late husband, though it seems the court has yet to approve her request. This isn't the only time Elizabeth has been litigious in regards to her husband's musical output in the wake of passing, as she also discussed potential legal action against the posthumous release of material Ali had worked on. She issued a statement online regarding that following the emergence of one of his final recordings, she argued that as the sole executrix of his estate, any parties would need her approval for release of any material. Yeah, so this is just a huge, huge mess here. The The Facebook page that was mentioned earlier, I think it's called Justice for Ali. It's very interesting. I don't know who runs it. I don't know anything about it. But they're definitely doing their own investigation outside of whatever the, the police and, and uh, FBI, or whatever, whoever's involved are doing with it. But yeah, you'll find very interesting things about some kind of ridiculous things that she said, very vile and terrible things. They don't even sound like a grieving widow. They they sound kind of wild. And again, uh, uh, innocent till proven guilty here. But I encourage you to take a look for yourself and check this this Facebook page out because it's a mess. And then on a lighter note, Circus Survive announced Blue Sky Noise 10th anniversary tour. That's exciting for me. As I mentioned last week, talking about Anthony Green's album, I love Circus Survive. They have a huge impact on me and growing up. I remember some of my fondest memories with even my band Born of Osiris growing up and driving around and just listening to Circus Survive. And his vocal melodies are some of the best, I think, ever. Some of the prettiest and just really experimental. And uh, so, yeah, they're doing a 10th anniversary tour for their 2010 album, Blue Sky Noise. The track will commence in March. No word yet on openers. Um, from what I saw, this thing is long. I want to say it's like three or four months. Again, I'm not, you can't quote me on that, but I'll put the PRP article for this below the YouTube video. I'll also put the the last news article I read about Ali from All That Remains below the video. And if you don't have, again, if you're watching or listening on Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, whatever, you can just go on the PRP and search the subject of, of what I'm talking about. So that's going to do it for Metal News. That's going to do it for this podcast. Uh, thanks again for being here for the third installment. Went a bit more smooth than last week did with video. Um, but I want to take a minute and go over some sponsors. The first one is Clocks and Colors. This is handcrafted men's jewelry. You will see me wearing some of it right here if you're watching in the YouTube. If not, head over to www.clocksandcolors.com. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-A-N-D-C-O-L-O-U-R-S.com. Beautiful stuff. Uh, Not very cheap, but not overly expensive. I think you'll enjoy what you see there. Second, Head Rush Clothing. This is for men and women. It is biker style. It is well made. Uh, One thing I liked that there was a lot of patches instead of prints. You're getting a, a more well put together shirt you may pay 10 bucks more than your normal 20 dollars shirt but you're going to get some cool stuff that'll last longer it's not going to fade as fast it fits the frame of the body better at least i believe and again that's not something i have to say at all i'm saying that because i want to you can check their website out at www.headrushbrand.com and last but not least i mentioned that i am doing the infinite mind us tour that is my solo album i'm playing it in full Across the U.S., and I am donating donating proceeds from each show to a charity called Hope for a Day. Their slogan is "It's okay not to be okay." This is a suicide prevention nonprofit charity run by a friend of mine, and uh, I've worked with him before. They've been working at this for a long time, 
almost 10 years now. And uh, this is a beautiful thing. Listen, if you haven't experienced any issues in your life um, with with depression and, and thoughts of suicide, I guarantee someone that you know has, and uh, maybe they went through with it, and I hope to God they didn't. Um, but someone you know has suffered from this, and I just think that you don't have to be rich or anything. Again, this is my first tour. So this is the, the least amount of money I'm going to make on any tour with with my solo stuff. This is my point. Um, you don't you don't need to have a lot of money to help. You can help. You can donate one penny. You can donate 10 cents. You can donate $1. You can donate $100 on their website. This is going to help them do things, uh, reach more people. And uh, their website is going to be www.hftd.org. It is okay not to be okay. Last but not least, I'm going to go over my tour dates with you one more time. My Infinite Mind solo tour with Felix Martin Direct Support. November 12th, I'll be in Houston, Texas at the White Oak Venue. November 13th, San Antonio, Texas at Paper Tiger. November 15th, New Orleans, Louisiana at Gasa Gasa. November 17th, Atlanta, Georgia at The Masquerade. November 19th, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at Thunderbird Music Hall. The 20th, Baltimore, Maryland at Metro Gallery. The 21st, Brooklyn, New York at St. Vitus. 22nd, Rochester, New York at Montage Music Hall. 23rd, Detroit, Michigan at The Shelter. The 24th, good old Chicago, Illinois, where I grew up at Subterranean. The 26th, we're going to finish up the tour in Dallas, Texas, in my new home. Deep Ellum Art Co. is the venue. Don't miss that. Next month, a few days later, a week later, I'll be back out on tour with Born of Osiris, doing the Simulation 3 tour with Oceano and Carbomb, and one more band to be announced soon. Uh, December 3rd, we're going to be in Louisville, Kentucky at Diamond Pub Concert Hall. The fourth will be in Greensboro, North Carolina at Blind Tiger. The fifth, Virginia Beach at Elevation 27. The sixth, Easton, Pennsylvania, one center square is the venue. The eighth will be in Hartford, Connecticut at Webster Underground. The ninth, Quebec City, La De Hotel. I don't know, sorry. The tenth, Ottawa, Ontario at Brass Monkey. The eleventh, London, Ontario at Rum Runners. The 14th, Grand Rapids, Michigan at Stash. The 15th, Palatine, Illinois at Dirty Nellie's. Tickets for my solo tour are on sale at Lee, L-E-E, dot Soundrink, S-O-U-N-D-R-I-N-K, dot com. And tickets for the Born of Osiris tour are on sale at Boo, dot Soundrink, dot com. That's B-O-O, dot S-O-U-N-D-R-I-N-K, dot com. Thank you again for for joining me on this podcast i'll see you next week after that i'll be on my honeymoon so we might have a week off after that but i think we'll get one more in next week as always thank you for tuning in and i'll see you next time